Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. I'm Michael Ajoa. I'm Dan Petru. I'm Jillian Fisher. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com, the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday in the afternoons to fill you in on what's going and coming in the hockey world. And sorry we're a little late today, and we're going to have to end a little early, but we're trying to get a show in craziness and travel days here between the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm back from Pittsburgh, briefly, as you can tell, uh, just long enough to get yelled at by my family, and I'm going to go back on the road after that. So uh, there you go. So anyway, but uh, yeah, so I'm back, and I want to start. We got to start right right away with that game last night for sure, and I want to start right into it because being there it was a very different vibe than game one. It was it was much the the crowd was much more reserved. Well, through, through much of the game. Go ahead, there, Mike. There's a reason why they were much more reserved. I said it while we, in our group chat as we were talking last night. That game until maybe midway through the third period was a complete and utter bore. Yeah, it was a snooze fest, and it was and it wasn't. And it I I I'll give Pittsburgh some credit in terms of you know they played a a much better shutdown defensive style in game two than they did in game one. But honestly, I said yesterday that San Jose had to come out in the first period with their hair on fire, and they didn't even manage a match. It was there was nothing there. They got completely outplayed, out hustled by Pittsburgh in the first two periods. I think they had nine shots on goal and they were lucky to tie up that game in the third period. So, you know, my 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 thing about the San Jose Sharks and that C word that Dan doesn't want me to use when it's they're in the finals. Come on. You can't no longer say they're choking. That's the ridiculous. Significantly faster than them. I don't know if it's that they look like they are they're not playing as hard. People don't get that idea. I think it's just that this Pens team is just that fast. It is yeah. hard. Everyone was counting on the uh, the Sharks to be very physical. You can't be physical when you're chasing the puck the entire game. Yeah. I mean, I, I I buy that to an extent, Jillian, but really Latang is not the fastest guy in the world. Make him move. <laughs> uh, Crosby is not the fastest guy in the world. You him move. Dan, you cracked me up. Sorry. I was laughing. It's, not, it's not about how um, fast one player is and how fast player B is and player C is. Collectively, they're fast because they're fluid getting out of their own zone. Their defensemen are taking tape-to-tape passes. They're carrying the puck out. They're hitting people in full stride. So while they might not – you don't have a bunch of Carl Haglins on the team, but you have collective speed because of how crisp their passing is, and you're seeing it with the Sharks with the inability to get out of their own end. You're right. You can't be physical with someone if you, if you can't catch them. And yeah. they've just been so precise executing. I think that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't sure. think I think that more credit is deserved to the Penguins for yeah. executing their plan. They're playing like they should win the cup. They're playing that way, mm-hmm. and they deserve credit for that. The only thing I would say about the Pens is they've done it this entire playoffs is they sit back at a certain point in the game, and they always allow a team to get their hopes up. Right. And I mean, we saw it in the Capitals game in Game Six. They let them. Yeah. They had three back to back to back 
yeah. delay of game calls. So this is something that happens with the Pens team, but they always pull out and win. It's amazing. Yeah, well, they are very young. They're very there. There's an immaturity to the team, but they make they do they do still manage despite that immaturity to, to come through. I do agree with you that they let people hang around. I. Yes. It is insane to me the way people are talking about the Sharks and how they played. Having been there, they did not play that badly. This oh. is not a team. This is not a team that is is is. I mean, this this is a team that could beat twenty five or twenty six of the other teams in the NHL. They're play, I agree that it, this is more Pittsburgh playing well than it is San Jose playing poorly. The Sharks are doing a lot of what they've done before in 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 bits. They're just not. They're not being able to do what they did. You know, where they could extend it through an entire games. This is also a team that has been through a lot getting there. They've been in the, and that's obvious right now. You can see that they, you know, the beating the Kings, beating the Blues, you know, beating the Predators. These were all these were all tough tough teams to beat and they beat them all and they took them all out and they are still despite being completely dominated by the Penguins in two games. They they lost in overtime and they lost with 4 minutes left in a game and the the reality is here that the Sharks just have to play a little bit better to actually win games in the series. It's just it's crazy. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't the fact that the Sharks didn't play uh, didn't play badly. It was the fact that they had Martin Jones. Martin Jones kept them in that game. Martin Jones kept them in the game in game one. They were thoroughly outplayed for most of for most of game two. For but they were still hanging in there. Yeah, the, the, and Mark Jones has been really good, but he hasn't made spectacular saves. He's made he's made lots of saves, but the but when you think about the actual name the name the spectacular saves. He made one off of Kessel in the first game for sure. But then name the spectacular saves in game two. It's I mean, easy to were, say he's not making spectacular saves when he's playing that far out on his crease. He's playing right, right, so right. He's, he's playing incredibly well. I agree. No, I totally agree. When you're positioned correctly, you don't always have to make those spectacular right. saves. Right. Andre, Andre Vasilevsky made spectacular saves because he was out of position at some times, and he allowed three, three and four goals sometimes. So, you know, you can make the spectacular save and still be playing badly. And then I think Martin Jones has been very competent. But, I mean, especially in Game 2, the matchup of the third defensive pairing of Dylan and Pollock got completely they got completely pulverized when they were matched up against Benino, Castle and Haglin. They blew their doors off. Pollock uh, gave away the puck on the on the Castle goal. It was it was a terrible play. And the thing is that you know you're you're saying and you're right Ak, that you know these games have been close in spite of the Pittsburgh domination. Well, that just that just brings forth the the situation that the guys like Thornton, Thornton did not show up yesterday. He, no. was, he was not even a factor. The oh, best line for that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous, Mike. I watched oh. the game right there. Joe Thornton was making beautiful play after beautiful play in front of me. I wasn't blind to this. I mean, I'm not oblivious. I've watched hockey before. Just because he doesn't get on the scoreboard, just because he doesn't put up points, he's making he's making beautiful plays. He's making great passes. He's creating opportunities. They're not finishing. The Penguins are picking. The Penguins forwards are picking off things. The Penguins forwards are playing great defense. That's the Penguins' key to defense: is their forwards are playing well defensively because their defense itself is is still suspect, and they still make mistakes when you dump the puck in the zone. And you can see this on many occasions. There were times the Penguins got this close to blowing that game. You want to talk about choking? They dominated the whole game, but in the last 30 seconds of that game, the Sharks had four beautiful chances, any one of which could have gone in, and we'd be talking about the Sharks stealing a game that they never should have won. And it's just that's how close this was. I mean, it's it's just completely. I mean, Thornton played great. You know, Logan Couture. If you want to talk about somebody who's not playing well, I'll throw in Logan Couture. Logan Couture has to play better. I mean, he is he is not playing well. I mean, and this then this thing about Crosby winning faceoffs by cheating just 
piles that on to me that Couture is is lost right now. Like he's completely lost for him to for him to even even say that. And I know every center cheats on often the faceoff draws or any faceoff draw. That's the idea of faceoffs is to cheat. So I don't even want Couture saying that is is ridiculous. But well, uh, go go ahead, Dan. Oh, it's the best <laughs> you've ever looked. Seriously, that's how most of your dates end up back at the house. I just don't agree, Mike. I mean, I just I, right. I can I can say I don't agree with you, right? I mean, I just don't agree that that, I, I, that let me jump Jordan in. had a horrible game. I mean, I just don't, I, don't, I don't see that. All right, I, I, this is just like somehow Mike fell into the uh, ESPN way of breaking down yes. things. One team chokes wow. and the other team doesn't win. Right. Look, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals, okay? This isn't first take. Stephen A. Smith isn't screaming around here. <laughs> However. <laughs> One team, it's like the, the Sharks have not played great for two games, collectively. They have not been good. They have not. They've maybe been C average at best, and they lost two one-goal games. It's never a series until the road team wins a game. It isn't. So now they're going back to San Jose. They get game three. Everything gets back on track. They have the final change. They can, they can keep their third pairing from getting exposed a little bit because their third pairing is getting exposed. But what the Sharks have to do is figure out the Penguin system. It's different. They haven't seen that in the Western Conference. This is a different style of hockey that the Eastern Conference hasn't exactly figured out either. So it's not so much to say that someone's choking. It's someone's losing. You wait, There's winners and losers. And right mm-hmm. now, they're not, the Sharks aren't pissing away games. They're not bl- blowing five-goal leads. They're not taking back-to-back-to-back-to-back penalties. It's not five-on-three. They're not being that undisciplined. There have been some, some times they've lost their composure, and they're definitely frustrated. But at the end of the day, they lost two one-goal games. There can't be any panic to set in yet. They just have to figure out the Penguin system. The problem is no one's really figured it out right now. But one thing is for certain, the day of the stay-at-home, stay-at-home defenseman is is being is coming to an end, and the Penguins are showing that. You don't need six-foot-eight defensemen who can't skate. You need guys who might not be great in their own end, but it doesn't matter when you always have the puck. Well, yeah, you're, that's a great point. The best defense, or, the best the defenseman can do is is a quick outlet pass these days. That's that's or, the idea. Or, 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 or they or they have the or they have the speed to wheel out of the defensive zone and exactly. The yeah, I mean, yeah, the the, the days the days of uh, of Boris Volabic, who's like Boris a six, Volabic. Remember him? Six, <laughs> yeah. Six foot, uh, Slovakian, uh, a Zdeno Chara without talent. Um, you know, th- those days are over with, but. You know, still, I think the pro- the problem is is that San Jose, and again, it's impossible to hit little water bugs like Hagelin and Kessel. They they, they survive by their speed and by their ev- evasiveness. But you can hit Crosby. You can hit Latang. You can hit those the, the the defense of Pittsburgh, which I still contend is a below average defense, especially with Trevor Daly out of the lineup. No, that's, what San, that's what San Jose has to do, but they haven't done it yet, and it's puzzling. They are a below average defense. There's no question about it. And don't screw with somebody who just spent five and a half hours on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, Mike. That's the, oh. that's the issue. I'm sorry if I'm if I'm loose today, but I if my temper's there. But I'm with you 100%. This is the defense. There is suspect, okay? But the whole point of it is the Penguins really de- epitomize the the fact that the best defense is a good offense. That is the Penguins to no. a degree. We learned the best defense is not the is your offense. We saw that fail miserably in the Dallas St. Louis series. That yeah, was, but, that's, but you're, the you're off, that's because your that's because their offense wasn't good enough. If your offense is good enough, it is the best defense. I that's would not. argue that the Dallas Stars had more offensive power than the Penguins did at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I I would I would call the Pittsburgh. Not without saying in there. 
No, I would call, I would call Pittsburgh's offense the alley oop offense because they're all they constantly do is throw the puck. Oh yeah, no, they do both. Both, both passes. Do that by the way. We counted. We started counting in the press box all the alley oop passes. There were about ten aside. They were each yeah. trying those. So by doing that, the Penguins are exposing the Sharks' weakness in the bottom pairing of the defense. The, yeah. Their bottom well, pairing, especially. Oh, there's no question. I mean, Polak is not an NHL defenseman who should be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, there's some no, defenseman. No, 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 no. No, I, no, I, I disagree. He's he's a he's a fine third pairing defenseman. The problem is, is that your second pairing. On, on the, if you remember, like one of the reasons I took San, I took L.A. over San Jose in the first round was because San Jose's defense I didn't think was up to it. They have a, a very fine pairing in Martin and Burns as their top pairing. Their second pairing is average. Their third pairing is average or below average. Didn't it seem like Pollock was on the ice a lot last night? Yeah. I mean, maybe he was just on the ice when like a lot of mistakes were happening, and that's why I noticed him more. But I seemed to notice him too much last night, and not in a good way. Yeah, they uh, they need to go to the Joel Quinville managing a defenseman, which is basically your top two defensemen play until they're hyperventilating, and the other four <laughs> play about seven minutes. Well, a that's game. a good point, Dan. You know what's funny about that is we were talking last night at the press box about last year's defensive pairings that were going up against each other. Yeah. You know, and you had McDonough on one side, you had on the other side you had you know Duncan Keith and Seabrook. I mean, these are stellar defensemen, and we, there's nobody like that in the series. I mean, Brent Burns is the closest thing you have to that, right? And he's He's a rover. And, and, and you've, we've got, I mean, you've got Latang, right? He's but a these, both those guys are really one-dimensional defensemen, and they really both they both both do one thing well. But that's it, you know. So this this there's no question that this defense in this series is not the strong point. The strong point in this series is honestly goaltending. Yeah, I mean, if, if, it's just defense in a way, right? It's your last line of defense. Yeah, it is. Also, the, the <laughs> Penguins, the collective group of Penguins forwards, are better and more responsible on their own end and in the neutral zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you no, look at the top line for the Sharks, Pavelski, Thornton, and Hurdle. What what are they doing? They're not they're not showing us the same type of line that was shown in the previous series. They what? need to be performing better. They need to be getting better quality shots. I can't tell you how many times they just ripped it from the point to deflect it out off the boards, and I wasn't really sure what they were doing because it's not like they had enough sustained pressure to make me feel confident in that in that play. Right. And not, you know, you know, there's an there's an extra day an extra day of rest going between game two and game three for obviously for traveling across the continent, and I mean Peter DeBoer he better be playing Vlasic and Burns 30 minutes mm -hmm. in game three. It's desperate measures here because right you know if they if they don't do that and they end up losing game three obviously the series is over with. No, and I think and I think he will and and there are a lot of points to be made about this extra day of rest. It definitely benefits the Sharks. There's no question about it. The Sharks the Sharks have shown before when they get when they get. I mean, look, they had the extra day of rest with Nashville and they came out and they blew their socks off in Game Seven. I mean, the Sharks have worked really hard. They're an exhausted team. Plus, traveling across the country is nothing for the Sharks. You know, compared to the Penguins, it's a bigger, much bigger deal. Remember, this Penguins team. We talked about their schedule at the end of the season and how when when we wrote about you know I was projecting all that stuff. They haven't left the time zone for two and a half months. They haven't left the Eastern Conference time zone for two and a half months. That's a huge difference than what the Sharks have been doing. I mean, I'm not saying that matters a ton, but it does matter a little bit. And the fact that matter, the fact matters, the Penguins have had a really easy time of it when it comes to schedules, where the Sharks have been racing all over the place. I mean, Nashville's not close to San Jose. <laughs> they had a seven-game series with them. It's close to Pittsburgh. Right. Nashville's closer to Pittsburgh than it is to San Jose. I mean, St. Louis is not that much closer than Nashville is to San Jose. I mean, the reality is L.A. was an easy series for them but as far as distance go, but that's it. And, and meanwhile, the Penguins have done what? I mean, look who they've played. 
You know, they have they've literally been, been busing to the games. I mean, it's pretty much they've been in they haven't had to go anywhere. I mean, you take a train to Washington, right? They played. I mean, Tampa they, they went Rangers. down there, Rangers and uh, and they played the Rangers. That's another train right. trip. So, I mean, really, this is completely this travel has not affected them. You know, and as I sit there and I say, both these goalies are the stars of the show. Both these goalies are also right out of like the I want to say like the Chris Osgood goaltending school, where these goalies are not are the kind of, are two goalies that will not kill you. They will never hurt you. That's the and that's the best thing that they are. They they don't give up bad goals either of these guys. And that's that's why you have to work for every goal you get. Um, Murray, it's funny who's who's the sharper goalie. I don't, they're both really sharp right now. Um, Murray has shown that he's very good when he doesn't get a lot of shots on him, which is really which is important for this playing on this team. You know, Martin Jones though. He really does have that arrogance that you know. He reminds he does he still reminds me of the Kings where he came from. He reminds you of that arrogance of the Kings where he literally even when you talk to him he is so calm and relaxed about everything. Uh, I was impressed by both of them. I mean, you know, Mar um, you know Murray is the same way. He's also incredibly relaxed and calm. Um, so yeah, this is that to me to me that is the story. But the story, the bigger story is the fact that you know this. <laughs> This is a, these are two very close games that the Sharks shouldn't have been in, that they were right there. And I know, we all know that the Sharks aren't playing their best hockey. So, and I can sit there and say that the Penguins are playing their best hockey. So I wonder, I really do think the Penguins are playing as well as they can play. Sidney Crosby is like playing one game and everybody else is playing another game. That's how well Sidney Crosby is playing right now. This is the best I've ever seen Sidney Crosby play. And I've watched him live a ton of times. He is, I mean, he look what he's doing to Hornquist and, and Sheary. I mean, these guys, Sheeran. Um, Sherry, I always want to call them mixed up. Anyway, so yeah, but look what he's doing to both those guys. I mean, it's so well, funny. I, I, I wrote in my article today because I had a long discussion with somebody about Connor Sherry, and they they were like, "Listen, I like Connor Sherry. He's a great guy. He's five eight. And if he's five eight, guys, they're lying. He's really he's five, not six. five eight. He's more like five six. Short guys my always daughter's lie. five. My daughter's five seven, and Connor Sherry is not as tall as her. And I'm standing talking to him. I'm like, "Whoa, you are not as tall as my daughter, who's fourteen and five seven. I'm, so, I'm 170 pounds. Sure." Oh yeah. And and this guy said, you know, I feel bad that Sidney Crosby's saddled with Connor Sheary because Connor Sheary, when you watch him play, he, this is and this is before last night's game, of course, but this was even and the, and this guy this was this is after the first game and he said, Listen, as as you watch him play, you're like, he's got all this energy, Connor Sheary. He's got he's just a bundle of energy. He makes he makes really cool I mean, he really goes everywhere, but he gets thrown around. Did you see the one time he got thrown last last night? It looked like the the fans were going crazy. It was just a check, but he went like twenty. <laughs> he's getting and that also what he does, what he tends to do is he sends the skate right into the passing lanes, like what you should things you should never do. Crosby has the puck, and Sheary will skate right next to him, like get away from me. You can see Crosby's trying to create space. Get away from me so I can pass to you. There's a lot of that going on, but yet it's working, right? So. For whatever reason, it's working, and he's making he's making these good players. players around him better. That's what happens when yeah. you're that great. You make those around you that great. You put right. Sherry in the Minnesota Wild or Colorado Avalanche team. Oh. He's not playing like that. He's not totally. scoring the overtime winner. Please, totally agree. That's what Crosby excels with. He excels right. with those type of players. You can put yeah, that is the truth. next to him, and it doesn't work. Right. You put Malkin and Kessel next to him, and it doesn't work. It's weird. <laughs> He's the weirdest. He makes third and fourth line players and AHL players better, but he doesn't make Hall of Fame players better. 
Pascal yeah. Dupuis is the perfect example of that. Chris Pascal Kunitz. Dupuis, Chris Kunitz yeah, with the team no, played for Team Canada. I'll just I'll dispute that because Chris Kunitz he played for Team guy. Canada because Canada needed a winger for I, Crosby. I, I agree with that, Dan. But Chris Kunitz was a was a good winger on the 2007 Anaheim Ducks team. He he was a, he had played a key role. But I'm telling you right now, Pascal Dupuis, if he hadn't been traded, would have been a fourth liner on the Atlanta Thrashers. You're right. Years. You're right about that. It, he finds he finds. There are certain players that Crosby likes to play with, and he plays really well with them. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I've always thought Tavares, and we've said it many times. You know, you just you can't find somebody to play with him. But he does play well with a certain kind of player. And I think the I think the key to his to his Crosby's game is you need to have a player who just works their tail off. That's that's what Crosby wants. Crosby wants a guy who's working and working and working, and not necessarily skilled, but just working. That's what Kunitz does. That's what Shiri does. Um, and you're seeing it now. And uh, now I gotta t- I gotta mention this because it was so pissing me off. I am so tired, and I'm just in a rotten mood, so I'm gonna say this. I am so tired of the Phil Kessel hate. I just I'm done. Yes. I'm I'm completely yes. and utterly done. Yeah, I'm right there. I think I'm Mike's the only one alone on this one. Because Mike likes being angry. I took a lot of heat last night for Joe McDonald from ESPN, right? Who oh. tweets out Joe McDonald, ESPN. Oh yeah. Joey Mac. I don't even know yeah. who Joe McDonald is. I don't even know who Joey Mac is. Is this Jody McDonald? No, no. It's not Jody McDonald, right? Not the fan guy. This is no. I didn't think so. He says that the Penguins' Phil Kessel kept skating on that last icing call. This game would not be tied at one-one. What? Just, I mean, he said so. Basically, what happened? If you watch that play, <sighs> right? Kessel was in a race, and he was. It, it was. It was basically just that the other guy, the San Jose Sharks guy, had was already going full speed, and Kessel had to accelerate quicker and couldn't beat him, right? Cause, and Kessel's fast, but he just couldn't beat him. This guy was flying, and Kessel was from a dead stop, and they were going in there. And because of that icing, because it's still Kessel's fault, God forbid yeah. we sit there and say that he has got 19 points, which is more than any other penguin. Well, but Kessel's, Kessel's a victim of his of his own talent because a shift, a couple shifts before that, he, he flew at top speed and beat the San Jose defenseman back for an icing, and McDonald yeah. was probably probably thinking he should do that all the time, but it doesn't. It can't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. It was just basic physics of has McDonald ever skated before? Like if, if I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, but 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 I mean, I'm I'm telling you, like I'm I'm not the biggest Phil Kessel fan. I give him all the credit in the world for playing the way he's played in these yeah. playoffs. He's got a very good chance of winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. But when he does, I will have a bunch of jokes to say about Phil Kessel because that's. I mean, Phil Kessel. And I know. In like, this is the kind of situation. This is like you know when someone is like, like let's call Phil Kessel your girlfriend for a second, okay, Dom? No, thanks. Just, just for lack of a better word. <laughs> but you know, no, like, when, when a friend of yours has been dating somebody who's like, who's like maybe was a jerk for years, and you just meet her, and you're like, yeah, she's kind of nice, and you're like, well, there's another side to her you don't know about. I think Mike, you and a lot of Toronto media have this yes. thing with Phil Kessel. There's this yeah. other side that we don't know about. But the reality is, not all of that is Phil's fault, and. I'm sure some of it. I'm sure some of it is. We don't know because we're never going to see because he's never going to have the same media pressure and the same pressure right. put on but him I'm, as he did in Toronto. Not that it's right. bad in Toronto, but that's just why it's different. But I'm giving. I'm actually giving Phil Kessel credit for playing the way he's playing, but that does not excuse the you know the the shortcomings in his game, which there are there are a few, even though yeah. he's played wonderfully in these playoffs, and the shortcomings with his interaction. You know, with his teammates, it's fine. He's apparently a friendly guy, very jovial with his teammates. But he's challenged when it comes to the media. That will never go away. Then and that should it, matter. It, it shouldn't it, matter. It, I mean, the media, our job in the media there's is There's plenty not. of players who are challenged with the media. Yeah. 
He's getting he gets treated. He gets treated like he was convicted of a crime. Oh, I know. Oh. I know. Glenn Healy apparently on, on on Hockey Night in Canada said the same thing about that it wouldn't be tied about if he hadn't gone back. This is Glenn freaking Healy on Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, I saw him later and I looked at him and I'm like and I actually said, "Did you think that was Phil Castle's fault?" And he's like, "Well, he could have skated harder." And like that's just absolutely absurd to me. Glenn, I mean, you cannot. This is like saying, well, "How would they you know win what Wayne Gretzky off? sucks at? Wayne Gretzky sucks at slap shots, but you know we don't need him because he's terrible. It's just pick something out. But even though he's the greatest player in the world, there's something that Gretzky was not good at. He wasn't a great skater, right? Gretzky was always not a great skater. That's what he used to say. There's gonna they're gonna find something with Phil Kessel, and it is astonishing. He almost scored again last night. He hits he rings one off the post, right? I mean, he was all over the place. And then there people were mocking him for tapping that puck in. I'm sorry, he's got to tap that puck in. Yeah, it's a freaking zero-zero game. I know it may have crossed the line eventually, but are you gonna give Murray a possible chance of getting back and stopping that puck? No. no. Phil Kessel, it's, this is the kind of thing in hockey I've always no, worried about. I won't. One, one more thing, I will shut up in a second, but I gotta finish this rant. The okay. one, here's the thing that I want to say is that. I've always long said that that goal that Phil Kessel scored there, I wish that the player who scored it says, says, well, that's that's credit for Bernino is going in anyway. I wish you could just do that because he doesn't want credit for that goal, but he has to tap it in. Ugh. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I'm just I'm just saying that you know, Phil Kessel deserves a lot of criticism for his career, but you can't even if you're the biggest Phil Kessel hater, which I'm not. You can't criticize him for the way he's played in these playoffs. He's <laughs> no. played wonderfully in these playoffs. He scored that goal. I mean, you don't know whether all of a sudden it takes a bounce, like that one shot that took a bounce over Martin yeah. Jones's, yeah. Yeah. over the crossbar, yeah, that looked like an innocent bouncing puck. You don't know, so you have to put it in. And if, if he didn't do that, and all of a sudden it took a left turn and missed the post, you play you know, to the everybody whistle. will be criticizing him. Exactly. You you have have to I find it funny how Phil Kessel is not receiving any redemption but Jonathan Duran comes back, yeah. shows up, plays hard, and everyone's like, all yeah. is forgiven. Good it's old Canadian like boy. Good old Canadian boy now. All of a sudden, he's a good old Canadian oh, boy exactly. who was misunderstood, and well, I, he went. He was immature. I have no problem going, going there. I, it's I, obvious. I have said it once, and I'll say it again. If it comes down to it and things stay the, the same as they are right now, I think Phil Kessel will get the will win the Conn Smythe, and he will win the Conn Smythe on the power of the Toronto media voting for him. Why? Because it'll be a great story. They'll be able to talk about Phil Kessel winning the Conn Smythe after being traded from the Leafs all summer. I will summer. bet you money on that one. I will bet you money that the Toronto Maple Leaf will not vote for him into the Conn Smythe. Even, even if he deserves the Conn Smythe, there is such a deep-seated hatred of him. Um, that is so unbelievable, based on the fact that these people felt these Toronto media people must have felt like they were embarrassed by him. And I get so sick of the media thinking that we control the world. Like we do not control the world. Our job is the whole concept of we are the fifth, the fifth wall, what fifth wall, right? Fifth, what's the word? Uh, anyway, the idea of what we do is we reflect whatever's out there. So we, we so we watch what happens and we write about it. We don't create the stories, we don't make the stories. We watch what happens and we write about it, and that's it. And if someone doesn't talk to us, then that's our problem, not theirs. They, we have to figure out what to do around that. Our, we do not create the story. We do not get in there and say, Phil Kessel should talk to me. He definitely should talk to me. It's his job to talk to me. It's not his job to talk to us. Talk to us. It's just not. And I, I wish we, you know, we don't live in that kind of a world because the idea of the media is to write about it. We can write that he doesn't talk to us. That's a story. That's right. But we that's can't, right. 
You know, you know what I'm saying, Dan. I mean, and it's part all of these... the problem too is these reporters. Part of the problem is there's too many beat reporters, and everybody needs a story every day. I could ne- like, look, I had a beat reporter of covering a certain team who remained nameless get on me because I just offered some suggestions to how he could do his job better because it's a different situation. There aren't as many in this instance with the team he covers. Yeah. But in this instance, there's too many of them. Everybody needs a story every day. And you know what? I'm going to be honest here. Interviewing hockey players is boring. It really yeah. is. They say the same thing. They're all brainwashed. They all just talk in cliches like the scene in Bull Durham. And for me, that's, mm-hmm. that's boring. I, I don't want to yeah. do that. So if I worked at a newspaper, I'd be a little insecure, first of all, working you know, at something that's about as stable as a T-Rex. And secondly, I just think it's like they make it about themselves. It's not about you. If he doesn't talk to anybody, just report it. Just be honest. It, that's the thing. It's like you don't have to – every day, every day you're not making you – know, you're not writing Citizen Kane every day. Some you're days not. are just writing about a morning skate. Which is <laughs> why I – Dan, your point about hockey players and they can be kind of boring to interview – it is why I actually love that Logan Couture let his emotions be be raw and be expressed. Right. I happen to okay, think that what he go. said was perfectly fine. Also, now the media can go bother him instead of bothering every other player on that team who may have had a less than memorable game. Yeah, no, I'm 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 okay with Logan Couture saying that. I, I I was jumping all over him, but I I get what you're saying. It's what he's feeling, okay. But at the same time, and, and it's a shame that we're ripping into him, but. Because it is real, and I do want people to be real, and you're right about that, Jillian. So I mean, I do take that back a little bit, but at the same time, it's no, one not, of those. Not things... really you. I'm talking it. The no, 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 but I, 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 in general. I, 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 I took it as a personal attack. What you just said, so I'm gonna take that. No, it wasn't a personal <laughs> attack. It really wasn't. It wasn't. I'm personal. kidding. I know. I didn't take it as a personal attack. I'm just. Don't <laughs> Jillian. Everything I've said this this webcast has been a personal attack on X. So you join the crowd. No, it wasn't oh. a personal attack. It, I know. I know. I, and I want people to be honest too. I want, I mean, I what what Brent Burns said after Game One was phenomenal. I love that whole thing. That was emotion. That was real to me. That that we don't get enough of that at all. Players are afraid. Players are taught to do one thing. And but I want to tell you something. That is not their fault. It's actually our fault. It's actually ours as the general media's fault that they do that. The, the cliches really do come oh. down to the fact that we take things they say and blow them out of context to the point where, you know, we as the general media. Context, to the point where they're just paranoid about saying anything. It so is the hockey culture that that's why they talk that way. No other sport do they talk in such cliches. It is the hockey culture to be humble and to thank the team first and put the team first. That is why you get different responses from hockey players versus if you get a, yeah. a football player, a basketball player, or well, a baseball yeah. player. And I well, think every I think every sport does the same. I think every sport's the same. I think every sport does cliches the same way. Personally, well, but somebody somebody should call the cliche police on Peter DeBoer because he he emptied out the the coffers yeah. of every cliche that was out there last night after after game two. Well, you know we're going back home and you know, the series isn't in trouble until a team loses at home. You know, like you know, whatever. It's just like every every cliche. Yeah. You know, say but something. You, say something worthwhile. Thank you. Do you really think that LeBron James is going to have the same response as Logan Couture or Sidney Crosby after a game? Because if you really think no, that, I, know. You're I right. disagree. It's a totally different culture, and hockey, I think, is the hardest to get those raw emotions and to get like that cocky attitude out of players. Well, LeBron, it's really hard. LeBron's, yeah, already, right. LeBron, LeBron's already proved that, Jillian. He basically said Steph Curry didn't deserve the MVP. I did. He says, like, okay. I love, love it. You know what? I love it. I actually like that hockey players aren't like that. That's part of why I love the sport. Yeah. Um, but at times it does get a little bit monotonous. And you're like, come on, tell me how you really feel. This is the Stanley Cup final. 
Well, like you, can get it, you, you can get it out of them. Put it there. I mean, they, they, as long as they trust you, and you can't do it in scrums because and this is why I don't often ask questions in scrums because the fact is if you ask a question in a scrum, players aren't going to say it. But if they're one-on-one -on -one with you, and I've got a lot of players who trust me, and I'm one-on-one -on -one with them, they will give me great stuff because they know I'm not going to take it out of context. And they also know that if they say it's off the record, it is off the record. And that is enormous stuff. So to me, yes. it, it, th that kind of stuff happens all the time. They're, they are the most humble of all the athletes. They really are. The cockiness doesn't exist. You don't see very often, you know, someone, you see it more than you used to, the guaranteeing victory thing, which is like, you know, which, you know, when Messier did it, it was so crazy for hockey, you know, that someone would do that, that it became legendary. It happens all the time in every other sport. It's happened for well, years in every other sport. Well, Evgeny Malkin did it, and he scored and one goal. Evgeny Malkin did it, too. Um, he didn't guarantee a victory in Game 7, though. He just guaranteed they were coming back to it. Yeah, he, right. but he basically guaranteed a victory in Game 6 and did nothing in Game 6. Yeah. So he scored one. I think he scored one goal in 14 games. Way to go again. I will say something about the Couture thing for a second, about the cheating on face-offs. Um, I don't totally disagree that Crosby cheats on face-offs. Like I said, all centers do. But the one thing that is making me crazy, and this is like something that we got to fix in the NHL, is all these... All these Fake face-offs or bad draws. It's unbelievable how many. I don't remember this I mean, ever. And it's there tactical act. It's it's. But there have been more of these draw the buck. Oh wait, that wasn't a good drop. Than we yeah. than I've ever seen in my life. They're, like they're, they're, they're basically basically like in a defensive zone. If a team can it has two centers out there, they're trying to get the other team's best face-off guy thrown oh, out. Oh, I know. And if they get thrown out, then they know, like, and the second guy comes. Oh yeah, in, I know, then, I know. Then, then the linesman, they they know that they have to drop the puck. But what I'm talking about is the is when the puck when that doesn't even happen when the puck just dropped somebody wins it so cleanly that they say oh that was a bad draw because the other person wasn't ready. No, when this that. The way it used to work is you better be ready for the freaking puck to drop. If you're not ready, then you're not ready, and that that I don't like. I mean, that and the fact that we don't ever blow the puck dead along the boards is really are two things that have changed a lot in the last couple of years. But that is maybe crazy. But I don't want to even get into that. That's a whole other topic. But I um I I just want to say this. The other here's an, and there's another beef I have today. <laughs> All right, so this is the thing. I was driving home right, and I'm listening to XM radio, and. They start going off on the fact that 91% of the time, the teams that win the first two games of the Stanley Cup Final have won the final. It's only happened three times in history that teams who haven't won the first two games in the final come eventually. I mean, this is such a stupid stat. Then they go through. They go through and say it happened once. And it happened the, la the last two times it happened was in 2009 and 2011. It's, All right. It's math. Hack. It's math. No, it's no, no, numbers. No. Come on. No. Ooh, the, numbers are boring. It happened in 2009 and 2011. Then I go back and research how many times. Okay, how many times has the first team won two games? It's happened in half of the last four. I mean, let's just. Let's just I mean, completely. This is to me is just. Let's just say what it is. It is better to win the first two games than not. That I get. We all understand that. It doesn't I mean. Go, I will go out on a limb here. I would rather be Pittsburgh right, right. now than yeah. San Jose. Right. You want to win the first two games, not lose the first two games. That makes sense. The winners of game game two win 78% of the time, no matter who wins the first game. Okay, what the hell does that mean? That's like, okay, whatever. But yes, it's always better to win. And yes, the Penguins have never been shut out in a game in which Crosby scored a goal. That is true. These are stats that are real. These, these are numbers. They are true. It's right. also better. Like, I'd be a little more concerned if I'm San Jose. If I lost those two games at home, if we were going back right. to Pittsburgh, I'd be like, oh, we might be right. really screwed. By the way, the Sharks have never won a game in their entire history in the month of June. Ever. Okay. That's 
That's that's because they haven't been here. Right. The first time they played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay. Last night was the first game they've ever played in the month of June, but they've never lost one. Okay. So they've, no, never, they won have. they've never won one. Before last night, they hadn't lost one. I mean, these stats are making me insane. This is what it comes down to. If the Sharks win the next game, they're back in the series. If they lose the next game, yeah, we're going to hear that only five no, times in the history of time. I think they have to win both two games in a row because if you go down 3-1 right. against this Penns team, you have to be and be perfect that consistently. I think they need to win game, both games at home. I well, think that's what they're in worse shape if you lose three. <laughs> they have to win four of the next five. Absolutely. They do have to win four of the next five. Well, but you know what? They just have to win the next game. It doesn't matter if they have to win four of the next five. They have to win the next game, and then they have to win the next game, and then they have to win the next game. I think you that's need a nap. Oh my gosh! The four or five thing is just the four or five thing is insane. I mean, that's just that's just craziness. I get that that's difficult, but you know what? If the, if the you if sound the, like me after I've driven in Boston for too long, right? Now. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, and I was listening to some really good yes music, Mike, on the way home. I was really fired up, and I'm all I'm all set, and I'm 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 like, this is gonna be great, and I just I uh. There's too many. I, there, there's too many. Everybody, it's the Stanley Cup, so everybody wants to have their own say in it. And everyone wants to spin it one way or another, and it seems like everyone is doom and gloom for the San Jose Sharks. And I don't think it has to be that way, and I right. don't think it does. Right. The, 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 I like the you know cliches. The one I like that the people are saying is that we've talked about before. The series doesn't really start until a team loses at home. I've always liked that one. That's very good. I think that's a good one. Okay, I'm into that one because it's true. The Sharks haven't even – everyone's putting the Sharks out. They haven't even played at home yet. Their fans haven't even seen the Stanley Cup final yet. This is not – I mean, they've never been in the Stanley Cup final still to this point as far as San Jose Sharks fans are concerned. So let's give them a chance to actually play at home before we throw them over the over the overboard, you know? I mean, that building is going to be crazy loud. And they can there chomp. You. They can do the chomp. They can do the there. chomp. Yeah, I love it. And you know, you know that that is – I've been in that building, and you were in that building, Jillian. That is one of the loudest buildings in the NHL. It's really loud, man. Yeah, it is. And it the happens. fans really believe in this team. I've been, I follow quite a few uh, San Jose Shark fans on Twitter, uh, and yeah. I'm friends with quite a few on in um, Facebook. Social media, they're not feeling it yet. They're, a couple of them made some funny jokes about they're just getting the pens hopes, so they, hopes up so they can do a reverse sweep and things like that. So um, it's nice. Yeah. They haven't lost faith yet. The majority of them have, are really still rallying behind them. So that says shouldn't. something for the fans. They're still looking forward to it. They shouldn't because you know what? The fact is they were in two games that they shouldn't have been in. They were in two games. They were, they were, they were battled. Two teams tough right to the end, basically both games ending on almost the last shot of the game. And, you know, they battled in two games that they were really dominating. And for them to for them to sit there and for people to sit there and say, well, they were outshot by the Penguins. You know what? <laughs> Everyone's been outshot by the Penguins. I mean, the fact of the matter is I, I tweeted out last night that statistic that I thought was incredible. And I'm sitting there, and that was, again, I was doing math, too much math for me. But I was sitting there, and I'm saying, okay, here's the reality. Here's the reality of what's going on. Ready for this? The Penguins have outshot their opponents in 29 of their last 36 periods that they played in. 29 of the last 36 periods that the Penguins have played, they've outshot their opponents. Twice in those 36 times, they were tied in shots, and only five times in the last 36 periods the Penguins have played have they been outshot. Once the one of those was in game was in game one in the second period by the Sharks, right? Well, if you if you notice, I've switched around the uh, the, the combination emblem here. With the uh, the penguins standing on top of the shark, that is <laughs> that is the, the perfect synopsis of this series. Yeah. series. They're cutting that shark with their razor sharp blades, and it's ble it's being gutted like a fish. I like that. I like that. 
I really do. Um, and you know what's funny about the Penguins and their and their and their um, their crazy out shooting teams goes? Check this out. The last time they were out, they they were outshot in a game. They won. <laughs> they, they beat the Capitals in a game that they were outshot forty nine to twenty. They got completely. Remember this game? Murray just stood on his head. It was like it was. I think it was game four or something like that in that series. And I looked up that that was just. It's a total anomaly in the entire Sharks playoffs. But they just got completely dominated by the Capitals and they won. So the reality. I mean. The reality is, yes, they're getting out. The shark, the Caps are out. I mean, the Penguins are out shooting the Sharks, but the Penguins aren't getting these unbelievable chances. It's not like everything's a breakaway. I know Jill, Jill's got to get going. I appreciate it very much, Jill. We're going to actually stay in chat, but uh, I have to go. So I know I appreciate it. Mike and I will stick around for a little bit here to end this show. But thanks very much, Jill. See you guys we'll talk tomorrow. To you. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate. It. Thanks for coming on today. Um. So yes, Mike, it's just you and me now, man. Um, here we go. Are you calm down now? No, no, not at all. Do I look calm? No, no. Thank no. you. No, I, I'm sorry. I just, I think that there is just, oh gosh, it's just, it's amazing how, I think, was it 17 of 21 people on ESPN picked the Sharks to win the series? And now, and before it started, and now everyone is just saying how the Sharks have no chance in the world. It's tough to have any confidence in the Sharks right now, based on the way that they played, they've played terribly. They, you know, they they dominated of six periods of six uh, six periods and a little bit of overtime. They've dominated in one of them. Yeah, no, I know so they dominated. That, that, that's that it, it, inherently that's the problem. This is a team with a lot of talent, with a lot of depth up front, with a good goaltender, with a couple good defensemen, and like I said, if if Burns and Vlasic are not playing. 30 minutes in game three because it's an absolute must win, yeah. then you know Peter DeBoer's out to lunch. They have to overplay those guys. They have to win that game to get back in the series, and you worry about resting them later on. You'll get oh, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. And listen, last night, I mean, game the, the Penguins totally dominated the first period of game one. Um, there's no question about that. That was, that was all. But last night's game, I mean, really – when you think about it, the third period, the San Jose Sharks outshot the Penguins nine to six last night. So again, and the Penguins didn't have a shot in the first like eleven minutes of the third period last night. Right. So it was, and you know, in the second period, you know, the first and second period, the Penguins did outshoot the Sharks and did out outchance them and stuff like that. But the, the bottom line is, the Sharks, you know, in the third period, they came back and they played pretty darn well, and they even outshot the Penguins in overtime. But the, the reality of it is, you know. Yes, four of the six periods, the regular six periods, I would say are definitely the Penguins. And I would say that the Sharks won one period, and I would call the third period last night a draw. But pretty much is what I would, you know, I think that's really where we are. So let's talk about the rumor chart a little bit here before we get out today. Um, I knew you'd have a, I knew you'd have something to say about this, Mike. I was waiting for this. Um, yeah. <laughs> my Toronto, my, uh, my, my Phil Kessel. And I will tell you, no, not Phil Kessel, sorry, my Steve Stamkos rumor yeah. chart. So, the time, as you guys know, I don't report on players while they're still playing, right? So, I don't report on rumors. I will not. I will not sit there and I'll say where they're playing. I'm just bringing up the chart here for myself. So, I where I think I they can I end up. I haven't memorized. Believe me. Yeah, I know. So, I've added Evgeny Malkin to the chart, and a lot of people are asking why did I do that. And all I can say is this: that there are serious rumors swirling about Evgeny Malkin, and have been for a couple of days now. And I don't report on players while they're still playing. So all I can say is he will be, he will be on the chart um, after the, after the series is done. And I think that there's a good chance that something could happen there. And that's all I'll say. Um, 
Dallas. Steven Stamkos, though, I, I had on the chart as well, but of course I wasn't going to give him numbers, and I waited even a couple more days. I really did a lot of research on this because I, I wanted to do immediately when he was eliminated because people obviously I'd want to have Steven Stamkos on this chart, but I waited and waited and waited until I talked to enough people. I talked to 28 people. Okay, <laughs> I, I did. I, I literally did. I took my notes because I wanted to be meticulous on this, and then and I asked them all to give me the percentages that they thought. And what I did here is I I actually rounded up the rounded up the Maple Leafs from 18% to 20% based on my own feelings. But based on the 28 people, the the average was 18% that they had him going to Toronto. It was more than any other team um, besides Tampa, but still around. You know, they still. I think it was around 59. I put 60% to Tampa, still thinking that Tampa is the place that he's going to go. That is definitely the feeling out there. Among, now, I don't know whether that matters or not. Um, and, the, and some of this, and I will say this, you know, some of these people are media people, not all of them about, well, 28, I would say, you know, 21 of them are media people, but the other seven are NHL people, um, people at, with teams, some people with Tampa, some people with Toronto. And just the idea here is just, okay, you know, with the media, I feel like there is a bias there because there's an anti-Maple Leaf thing. So I I, I, re- I wanted to write that in there as well. But I think that 20% is about right for now. Um, uh, I know that it's still possible that he that you know anything's still possible. And I think that we will know more. And if Stamkos isn't signed by July 1st, then this could change, right? So yeah, I see. I, I think it will happen before then because once the negotiating window opens up five days before July 1st, if he reaches that, he's gone. I don't think because Tampa Bay will put up their. There is no reason for them to wait until the eleventh hour to make that like oh you know that, that come to Jesus moment that move that uh, that offer that all of a sudden you know you know puts a salve on the wound. It's it, it's not going to work that way. Jesus, I mean, by the way, is not on the rumor chart. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, um, the the what's going to happen is there's going to be negotiations leading up to the draft. And I think that both sides have put forth their, you know, where their their stances. I mean, Tampa Bay put up that eight and a half million dollar offer during the season. That was reported. That was a reason that was reported. Yeah. Stamkos, you know, in his in his closing remarks, um, after the the loss to to Pittsburgh, you know, I love Tampa. I love this team. I think we're gonna go places. I mean, all like like all making indicators that yeah. he wants to stay in Tampa. But yeah. if Tampa doesn't up their offer, he's not staying because now how high do you think it has to go? Because I've asked people about this question. I mean, eight and a half is 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 not a low number, but at the same time it's okay, it's not a, it's it's I mean, you know, it's there's a lot of people out there who believe similar to Crosby who's like eight point seven, you know, they think why wouldn't why wouldn't Stamkos be nine point one, you know, just like the number I mean just taking the number thing like like Crosby did. Um, I think for Tampa to re-sign him, it would have to be nine seven five to ten. Okay, so another million. Yeah, because I think that if he goes anywhere else, it's going to be equal to Kane and Taves, and maybe even eleven. Because you know, the, mm-hmm. if it's Newport Sports, Newport Sports is going to get every single dollar they can get. Right. So right. now that is true, and there's a lot of pressure on that. And I talked to somebody um, about that the other day, and I said, and he said, and he's a player, and he said, listen, you know, I want him to do what he's got to do, what's best for him. But at the same time, it's important that Stamkos get as mu- get as much as he can for all of us. He said that's he's he's a guy that we you know, and if he doesn't get as much as he can, it's important that he comes out and says that I took a discount because that's another thing that you that right. that matters, right? Because he can sit there and say, you know, I got offered more money, but I took this because I wanted to stay here. 
So there's a, there's a lot at play here. Players are paying close attention to it for sure. Um, And, you know, I I think that it's going to play. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. And I, and I, and I just don't think that Steve Eisman, does Steve Eisman want to bring back Stamkos? Sure. Stamkos is a good guy. He's a leader. He's a he's a great player. He's probably top three four guy in the league. No pro, no no doubt about it. Does he want to pay him ten million dollars? Absolutely not, because he's got all these other players he has to sign. And some yeah. of them, may, some of them he may trade. He may trade Ben Bishop. He may trade you know Pallad or whoever. He may clear room. But you're probably going to lose three or four players off the team that you have right now to sign one guy. And the team proved this year without Steven Stamkos they can be successful. So that's why I think they're well, not going to yeah. And those are, those are good points. And and I think that that's, that's well taken. And I honestly don't know if I put Stamkos as a top three player. You know, I really don't. I mean, and the question is remains because this is a team that was so successful without him. That's not necessarily his fault. But at the same time, you sit back and say, okay, you know, I mean, he's a great player, obviously a, a skilled, talented player, but would I take Tavares over him? I would. You know, I would rather have John Tavares over him. Would I take Crosby? Yeah. Would I take Malkin? No. Um, you know, would I take Connor McDavid? Yeah, I would take Connor McDavid over him for sure. Um, you know, so it, it, yeah, that's already I've already named three or four guys I take over him. So he's in the top but, ten, maybe. But Connor McDavid is all potential in the fact that he's nineteen years old. You're taking him not because he's as good as Stamkos, but because he's going to be as good as him or better than him in maybe a couple years. He's a great. Yeah, maybe, but he might already be as good as Stamkos. Maybe, maybe. I mean, but, it's so the, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, when you look at players, how about you know, Sagan? There's other guys. I mean, there's just there's a lot of players that if you sit there and say, you know, would Stamkos be traded? Who could he be traded for straight up in the league? Who would Tampa trade him for straight up in the league? There's there's a few of them that I would look at, you know, and, and defensemen. There's a couple defensemen too. So I don't know. It's a it, he's worth a lot of money. He's a superstar. He's definitely the since we've been doing hockey buzz, I would say they're going to be the biggest free agent star we've had as far as somebody goes on the market. So it's the biggest one since Brad Richards. And the only, the only thing I'll yeah. say is, the, you know, I, I think it's basically, and I've said this forever, I think it's Tampa or Toronto. I don't quibble with your 60% for Tampa, but I think it's 60-40. I think yeah. It's, I think it's. I, I don't. I don't think Detroit is serious at all. Is a serious option at all because I think they're a declining team. I think they're they're getting old. Their key players are getting old. Their defense is not good. Their goaltending is not good as well. And the Islanders, I, I don't. I just don't. I just don't see it. So I think it's 60-40. You know, maybe he resigns in Tampa. I just think it it points towards him going to Toronto. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to argue on some of that stuff. I I have heard though enough that that there will be more teams involved in this. Um, it's not this is a this is obviously a, a, a player that people want to be involved with, right? So there will be more teams involved. That I don't dispute that. But what I think is going to happen is, say, a team like Buffalo, who's in the same division as Tampa and Toronto and Detroit, they're going to elevate the offer to Stamkos just to hurt the teams in their own division. Mm. They'll do that. Why not? <sighs> Maybe. And, and, new, and but new see, part. the problem with that is that it, I've talked to you about that. That when that happens, and it, it it comes back to bite you because teams can teams can revenge you on that. And and the fact is, Buffalo has a lot of players they have to sign in the future. There's going to have a lot of they're going to have a lot of issues. Do they really want to play that game? Well, I mean, but they're but they're in a way they're doing a favor from Newport because there's one more team that's that's in there that's making True. a bid. That so I mean, I think the the negative factors. 
you know, sort of counterbalanced by the positive factors. You know, you're you're going to open up a can of hurt for Toronto or for Detroit yeah. or for Tampa. So yeah. That's that's the way the that you know that's the way it works. That's the way it works now in a salary that is cap. The way it works. I don't disagree. Um, yeah, I mean that's going to be fascinating, and it's going to be a story that's going to go a long time. I, I and I I will throw this out there too. I asked some people about the concept that you have because I too agree with you um, that it's not going to go to July first, and that that usually these things usually don't. And I asked somebody about that, and they said, don't think that in this case. That one person I talked to was a GM who I really trust, who's been around a long time said Stamkos is a different kind of animal and it's very possible that Stamkos wants to wants to see what's out there and will inevitably give Tampa the final look back and that might not be able to happen until July 1st so really if it's possible that he waits till July 1st to get a get a big offer go back to Tampa and say listen you know I I really appreciate all you've done for me I'm willing to stay there but this is this is what I have it clears Stamkos's conscience a little bit clears his head makes him able to go and and sign I mean, some place without you know, and gives Tampa well, a chance to legitimately make the decision. Yeah, but I think that him making a decision before July 1st also helps out Tampa in the sense that they can trade his negotiating rights yeah. to a team like, say, Toronto. If if yeah. if that five-day window is there, he's talking to Toronto, he wants to go to Toronto, and, he's, and he goes back to Tampa and says, they're offering me $11 million. Do you, will you want to match it? And they say no. Yeah. Okay, well, they want to make sure that we they're gonna they're going to get me, so they will trade you somebody for the negotiating rights. Say Tyler right. Bozak, right? That, and his that, and that his benefits, rights that benefits Tampa because they're getting a good they're getting a good yeah. uh, secondary player, and it yeah. benefits Toronto because they get to jump on everybody else. So I think that is a likely scenario. Yep, and although it, one thing I'll say about that is I, I've heard that Tampa for the rights for his rights is going if they if they go that route is only going to go for picks and prospects because they want to the idea of this is to clear out as much cap space as you can so um, bringing him if you're gonna if you're gonna you know you can get picks and prospects plus this cap space which is a commodity in and of itself right so the idea is there's okay we'll get the cap space we'll get picks and prospects bring in Bozak I'm, I'm not sure how much longer he signed for or what have you Lawyer. but. Yeah, but, right. But see, the thing the thing is with the thing is with Tampa, they're a now team. That's the thing. They're they a are now, now team. They are a now team, but they have a lot of now players they have to pay now. <laughs> right. right, but 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 anybody that you take back is giving you cost certainty. You know what you have to pay. That's Not true. Or if, or and if, there, if there were, I mean, but as from from Toronto's perspective, I, uh, Nazem Kadri, we've talked about this before. I just would not trade Nazem Kadri for for Stamkos's rights. I don't, I don't well, think. That probably, and they're probably not going to. But I'm just, I'm just saying that. Yeah. You know, there's cost certainty in a guy like Kadri and a guy like Bozak who are under contract. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe uh, Tampa wants to add a, a defenseman and Jake, a guy like Jake Gardner would be somebody that they'd be interested in. But I think yeah. that you know they, the Leafs could give them something that could help them in their yeah. pursuit. And right now, since the Leafs are in transition, it wouldn't hurt them as much. They'd be willing to do that to get Stamkos. Don't disagree. Don't disagree there. I think that, and I do think that they will try to get Stamkos. And I do think they have a shot. And I will say that I've talked to people who say Stamkos is a huge Austin Matthews fan. And that is a big thing. He is really thinks he's a great player. He's, you know, there's a, there's a lot there that, you know, 
if he wants to go to Toronto. And I, I'm not completely 100% sold that he doesn't want to go to Toronto. I, uh, like, there are some people in the media, believe me, when you're at these Stanley Cup finals, there are some people who, again, the, the anti Toronto sentiment is strong. He says, Why would he go to Toronto? Why would he go to a team that's never going to win a Stanley Cup when he could go to a team that's going to win, could win the Stanley Cup the next three years in Tampa? Um, you know, Stamkos knows that Toronto's on the right track. He knows what they did this year without without doing anything. He knows he knows the Marlies are a great team. There's a lot coming in the future. There's plenty of there's plenty of hope there. I mean, Mitch Marner is no slouch. He's coming into the world. I mean, you add Mitch Marner, you could potentially have Marner, Matthews, and Stamkos on the team next year. There's a lot. That's a lot more firepower than the Maple Leafs had in, in you know probably since you know Sammy yeah. Kapanen crawled off the ice and Ronick scored the overtime goal. So there's nothing else. You know, but it's been a long time, you know, so it's been a long time there. Yep. So anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks. I apologize for my earlier rant, Mike. I am sorry if I jumped at you. I just I really don't think Joe Thornton's playing poorly. I will throw that out there again. But that's just my opinion. I actually think that Marlowe is working harder than, he, uh, than I've seen him work ever. Um, you know, he had a, he did have a he had a really good start. But it's interesting how much they're targeting Marlowe in this series. Um, in terms, not targeting him as far as hitting him, but just they're they're actually um, shielding him. Like there'll be a, when he goes in. Normally, you know, when a, when a team's breaking out, you'll see the two defensemen, you know, on the on the Penguins just standing there while Marlowe would circle and other players would circle waiting for the outlet passes. What happens is whatever side Marlowe's on, that defenseman is literally following him. So you have one defenseman stationary, and then the other defenseman, like Lovejoy, would skate around with Marlowe, and and it's it's interesting to me. If I'm if I'm the Sharks, what I'm doing is I'm taking Marlowe wide to pull Lovejoy wide, and then just breaking through the middle with somebody else. Because at this point, you know Lovejoy's actually taking himself out of the play a little bit, and that's the best way when you have somebody who's shadowing. That's the best. That's the best. The best thing to do is use the shadow for your advantage. They always say, you know, just like okay, if you're going to shadow him, we're taking him so far away from where the play's happening that that defenseman's out of it. So that's what they they can do more of that. But and they, I think it's getting to Marlowe a little bit. There are some. I mean, Hurdle is Hurdle is such a good player. I can watch him play all day long. Danskoy's sons on is the same way. I mean, you pointed him out to me first, Mike, as, as, as a heck of a player. I mean, and since then, I've just been really – he does have Datsuk-type quality, qualities to him. And, you know, he actually has some Jonathan Drouin in him too, which is a strange comparison, but he reminds me of Drouin as well. I, I guess the size and the number doesn't hurt, but there's something about him is just he really does have that Jonathan Drouin-type sneakiness. And, man, he is not a third-line player. You know, you can tell he's going to be a second-line or first-line player in his career for sure. So Definitely. It's a good team moving forward. All right, guys, we'll be back tomorrow uh, for Friday, and I'll still be here. I leave for Saturday. I leave Saturday morning for the Saturday evening game in San Jose. Remember that the buzz, guys. It's just hockey. We will talk to you then. Have a good day, guys. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus